You know, one of the most startling details in the Christmas story is the fact that the newborn baby Jesus was placed in a manger. You remember the story. Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, no place in the inn. They spent the night in a stable, a barn. Mary gave birth to Jesus. And Jesus was placed in a manger. The first moments of God incarnate experienced on planet Earth were in a manger. Remember that a manger is a feeding trough for animals. It usually contained hay or pods, but that night it contained the Son of God. A lot of people, when they think of a manger, they think of a little wooden stand, and that's one of the ways that a manger was built in those days, but the most common form for a manger was a rock carved out. Jesus, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a hollowed-out rock. Think of it. You know, I don't believe that any detail in the nativity scene in Scripture is there just by chance. I don't think it's by accident. I think it's there for a purpose. And I think the manger is very symbolic. And I think that there are wonderful messages that we can learn from the manger. First, the manger speaks of his accessibility. Jesus made himself accessible. The God of the universe made himself reachable by the common folk. You know, a manger was a very common thing. You'd see it all over the place. It was an agricultural world back then. There were mangers all over the place. And it's just like the Christmas story that God would dwell in the common, the everyday thing that you see. And you know, everything about the Christmas story is humble. And all of the common, everyday people played such a crucial role in the story. Mary and Joseph were poor. Jesus was born into poverty. Now, you would think if the Son of God would come, that he would be born into a prestigious, wealthy family, well-connected. But no, Jesus was born into a poor family. He was born in Bethlehem, but as you know, Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, so eventually they'd make themselves back to Nazareth. Nazareth was a small, unforgettable, podunk little town. It was the town where it was said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, you would think that the Son of God would be born into the most influential city, like Rome, which was the capital of the world at that time, or even Jerusalem. But no, he was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. The angels made that great announcement the night he was born. And who did they make their announcement to? Rough around the edges shepherds, out on the field watching over the flocks. Now you would think when the Son of God shows up, they'd make an announcement in Jerusalem to the high society type, the priests. Nope. To shepherds. 
And then, of course, the circumstances of his birth. Born in that stable, placed in a manger. You would think that he'd be born in a hospital, in a nice clinic, but no. Why did Jesus enter our world under such humble circumstances? Accessibility. To be reachable by all people, especially the common everyday people. You know, great people in this world who are born into great families, you don't have access to them. They grow up behind gated walls in their mansions and in their castles and in their boarding schools. You don't have access to the greats. It's not true of Jesus. He was born in such a way that everyone had access to him. From the poorest to the most wealthy. The most famous verse in the Bible says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you hear that? That verse says that salvation is for whoever. That means the rich, the poor, the smart, the not so smart, the talented, the mediocre, the educated, the illiterate, the upright people, they with a lifetime of wicked deeds, the philanthropist, the murderer. That means me. That means you, no matter who you are or what your background or what your intellect or educational or economic level is or what your sins may have been in the past. He's accessible, and I will tell you tonight, he's still accessible. He's available. He's reachable. I believe the manger also reminds us or reinforces the idea of the relatability of Jesus. Jesus came to relate with us. The Son of God can identify with us. God became man, experienced life like we all experience from a baby upwards. Christ knows what it's like to be a toddler, to be a teenager, to grow into adulthood. He can experience, he experienced all that we experience. He can relate with us in all that we experience. You know, look at that manger. Somebody designed that. Somebody had to cut that out. Or if it was wood, somebody had to design it, cut the wood and put it together the person that would do those sorts of things in those days was a carpenter. The carpenter in the days of Jesus did woodworking, stone cutting, even working with brass and metal. Very hard work. And they didn't have power tools back then. They had tools like that. It's interesting to me. That Jesus worked as a carpenter, stone cutter in Nazareth for most of his life on earth. Did you know that? About the age of 12, he started working in his dad's carpenter shop in Nazareth. And he would work there for almost 20 years. Can he relate with long days of hard work? Sweat? Do you think he ever hit his thumb with a hammer? I'll bet he didn't react like we react, right? (laughs) We also know that Joseph, his earthly father, 
died when Jesus was younger, probably in his teens. That meant that Jesus, being the firstborn son, became the head of the household. He took over the shop. Though never married or father to a child, Jesus felt all the daily pressure of being responsible for an entire household, including his mother and all of his younger siblings, running the business. He did it for 20 years. Does he know pressure? Does he know the hard work that goes into making ends meet? Does he know the grief of losing a parent? He most certainly does. Jesus was also tempted as we are tempted. Hebrews chapter 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We call the Savior of the Christmas story, Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. He can relate to everything. I don't know what you might be going through tonight, some hurt or some sorrow, but I promise you that Jesus can relate with you. He walked in your shoes. He knows all there is to know about what life is like living in a fallen world. He entered our world and he felt what we feel. The manger also, I believe, speaks to the mission of Jesus. You know, Jesus came into this world not to just give us a really cool, romanticized nativity scene, right? Why did Jesus come into this world? Well, he came into this world to die, to be our Savior. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We fall short, and, and we deserve punishment before a holy God. God sent his Son, the Holy One, to die on a cross for our sins, that our sins might be forgiven. Now, if Jesus was placed in a stone manger... It reminds me of a real terrible place that you find in the Gospels, a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. That's what it refers to. There's a little hill right outside of the old city walls of Jerusalem. And if you look into it, little caves exist. Again, hollowed out parts of rock. And you can see skeletons right in the midst of that hill. When we go and visit Israel today, we still see it. We stand right by that place. Jesus came to keep an appointment at the place of the skull. He was nailed to a cross on that hill. If Jesus were placed in a wooden manger, then that would make us think of the old rugged cross. One day his bare back and legs would rub up against an old rugged cross where he died for the sins of the world. 
You know, you think of the crucifixion and all that Jesus endured at Golgotha on the cross. And all of the physical pain was terrible. It was horrific. He died the worst death imaginable. But the worst part for Jesus was bearing our sins. All my junk. All the junk of the human race. All the sinfulness. He bore our sins. He paid the price. He took the wrath of God on our behalf. That we might be forgiven. Bible says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief. Don't miss why Jesus came this Christmas. Jesus came for Golgotha. For the cross. To die for our sins. Someone said at Christmas time. You should see the manger stationed at Golgotha. And the cross already raised at Bethlehem. Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? The manger also reminds me of the tomb. Jesus died on that cross. His dead body was pulled down from that cross. And once again, the body of Christ was covered in swaddled, swaddling clothes and laid in a hollowed out rock. Jesus in a tomb. He paid the price. But amen. That there tomb, it's empty. I've been there. I've walked in. I've confirmed. It's empty. (laughs) It's one of the best places that we stop on our trips to Israel. Jesus Christ is alive. He rose again that third day. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so, so very important to the gospel message. The fact that he rose from the dead means that what he did on the cross was validated, confirmed in heaven. His sacrifice was accepted. It also confirms that he has, in fact, defeated death for all those who will believe in him. The manger gives the message of accessibility. Relatability. The mission. The resurrection. It's interesting. From the manger. You have the whole story of Christ. It's been said. In order to realize the true meaning of Christmas. You must look beyond the crib to the cross. From the babe in a feeding trough. To the man on a tree. From the occupied manger to the empty tomb, yea, to the occupied throne in heaven. Thus Christmas becomes more than a day on a calendar. Christmas envisions eternal vistas. Even 
eternal life for you, for each one of us. Can I ask you a question? Has the Christmas story intersected with your life? Christ has done all this. Salvation is available. He's paid the price. But has it intersected with you? Has it resonated in your heart? Have you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior? You know, Jesus, we talked a lot about hollowing out rocks. Jesus can break the hardest heart. Maybe you come tonight pessimistic, skeptical. Another Christmas. But maybe, maybe you just never really understood what happened that night. God loves you. Understand what he did for you. And understand what he can do for you right now and for the rest of your life, including your eternal life. I'd like us to dim the lights. And I'd like our team to come back up. And I'd like you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes with me. In these humble, quiet moments, please know that Jesus Christ himself is here, accessible present, reachable. And he can change your life forever, forever. The Bible does teach very clearly that our sin is what separates us from God. Our sins must be forgiven. The only way that we could be forgiven is if a perfect holy one came and offered his life in our place. And that's what Jesus did for you. Oh, my dear friend, my dear friend. Invite Jesus to save you. This Christmas Eve service, if you've never done so, invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Let him wash away your sins. Let him change your life. Let him send his spirit to live inside you. Let him walk with you for the rest of your life. If you've never received him, I'm going to lead you in just a a quiet little prayer right now. Just in the quietness of your heart. 
from the youngest to the oldest here. If that's you, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth, for becoming like us. And thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising again. I need you. I need you. Wash away all my sins. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.